On this episode of Truth or Comfort, we have Chris Hansen with Hansen Capital. Amazing story. You're going to want to listen to it. We're going to talk about how we got started with a single little flip to now lending hundreds of millions of dollars, but more importantly, the deals that he's doing around town and across the country are mind-blowing. We're talking 300,000 square foot warehouses, multifamily projects that are enormous. Anyways, check out this episode. Let me know what you think. Super motivating to me. I hope you find it the same. Hey everybody, John Troutman here on Truth or Comfort, and I'm happy to have a friend of mine and a phenomenal real estate investor, Chris Hansen, on the call today. Hey, Chris, how are you? What's up, John? Thanks. Yeah, for no, me. thank you. You, you guys, just it's a, it's an honor having Chris on. He is, uh, you know, hey, I just saw you on the the cover of uh, the Business Journal here in Phoenix. Impressive. You got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, you guys, for those of you that don't know or are not familiar with Chris or Hanson Capital, um, and I'll let you tell the story, but uh, Chris does bigger stuff, um, bigger deals. Like there's a lot of us investors that maybe do wholesaling to maybe fix and flips and then maybe some multifamily. There's a handful of us doing, you know, um, some commercial stuff, but Chris is doing next level commercial stuff. But it doesn't mean that he was just given that. And I want to talk about kind of how you got into it. But, uh, you know, that being said, like, let's let's uh, let's hear it from you. Like, how did you get involved with real estate? Yeah. Well, let's start with start with the bottom then. Um, the first property I bought was a thirty six thousand dollar house at the foreclosure auction at the foreclosure steps. Um, Back in 2008, like a lot of people, uh, I got, you know, kind of caught up in the housing crisis and, um, I was dating a girl. Her dad had a very large yacht. Pretty cool. Yeah. 25, uh, and said, how, how did, what is this from? And he said, real estate. I was like, sweet. How do I, where do I sign up? What do I do? Like 130 foot mega kind of thing. Um, and he was like, he was getting crushed at the time. He's a home builder. He had big, you know, subdivisions and everything everywhere. Um, and he said, I'd go look at those foreclosures. So I started looking around on the internet. And at that time, there wasn't as much about, you know, how to make money flipping houses and that kind of thing. Um, but I, I bought the first house, cash advanced a credit card and, and went and bought it at the auction. So that was your first, first introduction. You got into, uh, basically fix and flip and wholesaling or what was, what was your passion yeah. back then? So, um, that at that time it was fix and flip. Okay. Um, I bought I bought three of them in pretty short order, and I I got a realtor to help me assess whether they were good deals or not. Um, and then I would go down to the auction and bid on them myself. Um, and then I was calling guys on Craigslist to figure out, you know, hey, I, this thing looks like shit. We need to make it look better. And we'd, uh, you know, well, let's do carpet. And I mean, I was hiring the worst of the worst contractors. I didn't know any better. Um, and you know, just struggled my way through it. I used to sit there every day at the flips and watch them work. So I figured I needed to understand how it worked. If I was going to make any money doing that. Um, 
luckily I didn't make the classic mistake. A lot of guys do of actually doing the work, right? I never picked up a hammer. Somebody smart said, don't ever pick up a hammer unless you want to work for what you can pay somebody to lift it for you, right. you know? Um, and, uh, I, I was around the auctions. I had people that, you know, they were charging three grand to go bid at the auction. And I thought that was bullshit. So I bought a uh, Prius and I wrapped it with a bidding service. Um, and cut the price down to 1500 to buy a house at the auction. And then I went around early in the mornings, like four to 6 a.m. every day and put stickers on all the houses that I thought were good on the list that said foreclosure notice. And it, homeowners would get pissed about it. It wasn't meant to be, you know, hurting <laughs> them, but marketing. And like I had guys call and threaten me, you know, like you put this foreclosure notice on my house. Like, bro, your house is selling today at the auction. If you didn't know that, you know, sorry to be the bearer of bad news. Um, and then I got into apartments, uh, shortly thereafter, I realized I was not good at fixing and flipping houses. Uh, I don't have the design uh, eye for it. Um, I mean, I did okay. There was money to be made, but in that time in Phoenix, um, houses were depreciating. So we were just doing the fix and flip with the, you know, paint and carpet special, throw it back on the MLS and try and, and blow it out. And, um, we would usually, I mean, we were trying to get that done before it depreciate past us making money. So it wasn't uncommon to lose money on flips. Uh, I've talked to other guys who were doing it at the same time and they, some of them agree with me, some of them don't. So maybe I was just really bad at it, but we were buying apartments for 10 grand a door and, uh, and, you know, renovating same thing, paint and carpet on an apartment building, you make more money. So. Yeah. Plus the cash ahead. flow. Right. I mean, yeah, it seemed like, I came down into the Phoenix market a few years after 2012 is when I, when I entered into Phoenix, but maybe 2011, 12. Yeah. But yeah, it, that was a phenomenal year. Things were going up that time. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah, no, they were, there were still deals to be had, but you had to uh, be really on it. And so, yeah, I had, I learned some lessons in this market, um, you know, with some of those realtors and, Anyways, some of the deals there in the areas. Yeah, for sure. So, so the, uh, the funny thing about that was, you know, in 12, I was buying buildings, um, for at the time, what seemed like a lot of money I'd pay. Like I, one of them, I remember really well, cause we bought it in 13, we bought it in 12, actually we paid 1.6 for 72 doors. Um, right. Like. Gee, that seems like a decent price. And uh, it was sub 20 grand a door, yeah. right? Uh, and we put about three quarters of a million into it. Um, and this group talked me into holding it because I was going to wholesale it. Uh, so I ran a bidding company that um, I built the, the list of customers with that kind of grill marketing, putting the bidding stickers out and driving around. I hired a guy to drive around and put stickers on every foreclosure house every day and just marketed the shit out of the bidding company. And then um, I kind of switched to apartment buildings and I would, I would get them tied up and then I'd wholesale it to my list of bidders. And, you know, I just kept, kept trying to get the list. I got the list of the Arizona MLS at one point uh, from a title company. Um, so you're working these back angles. Like I'm just, you know, I don't know this part. And so I'm curious, like I heard you mention your girlfriend's dad at the time, totally different space. He's in building you know, so yep. I imagine he wasn't a mentor. Did you have a mentor? It sounds like you kind of were like just following everybody, kind of watching what people, 
observing and how do I make it better? How do I monetize this? Yeah, I didn't I didn't have anybody to help me out with that stuff. I mean, I'll give him credit. He told me real estate, um, but he 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 wasn't rooting for me. I was hanging out with his daughter. <laughs> you know, he, he wasn't a you could say he was a fan, but not, uh, you know, he wasn't as helpful as he could be. Um, and he was dealing with a lot of his own stuff. So I had to learn a lot of stuff through trial. And right. And a lot of the things that I learned through that, you know, I don't want to go start that over. Um, and I didn't have the best method for everything, but, you know, running from 08 to now, we've seen, I'll say a good portion of a market cycle because we haven't seen another major collapse. Right. But, um, there was a ton of lessons to be learned, but I mean, there was just no replacement for work. I was working seven days a week from 6 a.m. till 9 or 10 at night, and that, that's what I couldn't make up for. I knew I could outwork guys. So we were running a few businesses. We had the auction bidding service, so we, we were charging people to bid. Um, we got into hard money lending, which you know about our bank uh, and our banking platform. Um, and then I got out of houses. We still operated as a service provider but I started buying apartment buildings because I could buy them with so little money at the time. They would cash flow enough to cover the debt. Usually I wasn't making any money off owning them, but um, I could get into that and, and we could, we could reposition a building and then resell it pretty easily. Um, and there was big money in that. So, I mean, there's, it's, I know you made it sound pretty simple, like this transition into, like, was it really that? Yeah. I, and I know there's trials and stuff in there. Did you really go from flipping houses into the multifamily? And, and then if so, like, maybe there's a step or two we're, we're jumping over. But to where you're at right now, it's just. No, it was that simple, yeah. That was it. I flipped the house. I was shitty at it. And then I was you know, like. Yeah, I'm going what? into multifamily and whatever else. <laughs> well, I know because uh, um, the guys had toured. Uh, you know, I think a 300,000 square foot facility with you guys a couple months ago and looking at it, like, I mean, that's a big jump even from multifamily into, I feel like, you know, you have over here, residential multifamily. And then on this other side is other commercial that people don't necessarily touch on. Like, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Well, and, and I'll, I'll cover that transition a little bit. So I was buying at the auction um, and, for people not familiar with how that works here in Arizona, at least uh, at our courthouse, downtown Phoenix, they were selling upwards of a few hundred homes a day. There was usually like three to 5,000 homes scheduled each day, but only like three to 500 would sell on a daily basis. A ton of right. houses. And um, they, the list would get was published 90 days in advance. You have a notice of trustee sale, but it gets updated all the time. So we wouldn't take the list until five o'clock the night before and say, this is a final list. And um, over the course of reviewing those, we're just really looking at basics, like opening bid, if one is set, relative to the square footage. Do we like buying this house at 20 bucks a square foot? So we could sort it with Excel and decide, okay, we like, we like these 50, right, out of the whole thing. And then we'll put those on a map and decide, we really only like maybe 20 of these and we'll go drive those 20 houses. And we, like other people, would usually narrow down to similar parts of the list. So when I'd go put stickers on, I knew the good houses on the list that were kind of priced too cheap. Um, and inherently, some of those would be like a duplex or a triplex or something. So the first multifamily unit I ever bought was a, uh, a triplex. It was in Phoenix, 929 West Pearson. 
I'll never forget this thing because it was such a nightmare. I think I paid 33 grand for three units in like 2009. And um, this thing was trash. It should have been torn down, but I didn't know that at the time. So, you know, we just go in and we start renovating it. And like we're, we had to redo all the wiring, all the electrical and everything. And two grand of copper ripped out. We install it one day, it's gone the next. Like just never ending stuff like that. So that was the first multifamily. Um, and then I got connected up to some guys at Marcus Millichap um, that have later moved on to CBRE, still very close friends and partners and investors of mine. And we bought a uh, seven unit out in Buckeye. And they said, hey, you should look at apartments. There's more money here. And that was, that was pretty simple. First guy had a boat, said real estate. These guys said apartments, more money. I followed, just followed the money. Yeah. Um, and we, we bought that seven unit for 72,000 bucks. Um, on over an acre of land, it was a fourplex with three freestanding homes. Wow. You still it. have it? Across the street. I sold this thing three times. Oh, wow. And I still bitch at the broker about it because the guys that bought it before me had bought it in uh, July of 08 for $630,000. I bought it in early 09 for $72,000. Wow. And at the time, that was all the money in the world to me. If I fucked that up, I was in trouble. Like I was literally like reading, you know, rich dad, poor dad, like, well, I can't lose more than the 70 I put up. Like that's how I was viewing it at the yeah. time. Um, and more of the same, just not being great at flipping, but understanding the concept. And once I kind of got that equation down, it's how cheap can I buy it? What do I need to spend to get it habitable and nice so I can rent it? And then now I can sell it on cash flow instead of what I'm in it. I can make money. So I skipped the transition, but you you know how it works. Yeah, which brings up a totally different point. You know, um, a lot of people look at like appraised value and how they could flip where you just touched on it. You're selling the cash flow essentially. So you could, you you know, 10x a a dead asset pretty quickly. Like people are buying that income stream, that cash flow that's coming in, which is totally different than just buying a, a single family house. Right. So. Yeah. So the first time I, um, I fixed that place up, I put about 30 grand into fixing it and I sold it for 175. Oh, wow. So I made 75 grand on that. And the first house that I bought for 36,000 bucks, I think I made 10 or 12 grand, you know, they took the same amount of time. Right. So all I learned with it and that, that was the takeaway was the, the, the deal and the concepts are the same, right? It is just bigger numbers. Right. So, if you're willing to play with a little more money, which if you can find the right guy who will back you, which I happened to find pretty early, uh, he was taking my head off. So it wasn't like, you know, I didn't grow up with any money. I didn't have dad funding me. You know, I had to go pay my dues and I was paying this guy 18% interest. And then we would, and a fee to fund the deal. I had to put, uh, 20% of the money up. So on 72,000, I'm putting up 12,000 bucks. I had that. Right. And, um, and then we split the upside. 50%. Wow. So eight, 18% plus I'm putting money in to take a half, to take half the upside. That's, um, that's, that's pretty aggressive, especially like looking back at it, like you do whatever it takes when you're in that moment. Right. But you look at it now to where yeah. you're at and you know, wow, what a, evolution you know what's funny though jokes kind of on him um he got me into banking by accident right and 
you know, I own Hanson Capital is a hard money lender in multiple states across the country. It has originated hundreds of millions of dollars of loans for people fixing and flipping real estate. Uh, I, I'll give credit where credit is due. You know, he, he showed me how that business worked. And I used to, when I started lending money, um, I was paying him a fee. I was lending it out at 18%. I was collecting the payments and handing him 100% of the revenue from the interest. I was using I I was using lending as a lost leader to do more auction bidding. Business. Oh wow! Because I knew if I could lend you money to buy a house, you'd one buy a house, I'd make a bid fee, and two, you you if you could use a loan instead of cash, you could buy two or three times as many houses. Right. Um, now, you know, in hindsight, that seems pretty dumb, right? But uh, it got me into a business that I sold that business uh, well into the seven figures you know, six or seven years after that uh, to a private equity group. Um, you know, I, I like to get in there and figure things out and then make a system so I can repeat it. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I took those concepts, you know, we've taken them to a bunch of different areas in real estate. Like we we just sold a, uh, we sold a coffee shop in Tempe um, called Black Rock Coffee. Okay. They're out of the Northwest. They've got 70 some stores now. I mean, cool, really cool company. We like this company um, and we bought a Long John Silver's that was empty. And then uh, we we got the tenant secured. We did the renovations um, and we resold it. Like we paid 700 for the building, roughly a half million in construction and sold sold the project for 1.95. Wow. So big money in retail. But I take that concept that's standard practice in retail and I'll go take it to industrial. Or I'll take, you know, something that I learned in residential with uh, homes and take it into the multifamily space, even uh, the Missouri deal, you know, find an office, great location, and you can you can turn it into something that will make a lot of money. It's just repurposing and being creative. Yeah. And I think that like that's what the market's showing right now is how I guess when there's market contraction back back in 2008 or nine, picking up a you know, multifamily for 10 grand a door. I don't know if it gets much better, if you could reposition a, uh, um, a um, you know, a part, uh, office building into an apartment and do better as, uh, as far as financially um, on buying it. But, you know, with the different shakeup in the market, especially now, it just seems like some other opportunities are presenting themselves and obviously knowing how to reposition them or look at them and think, is this the highest and best use for this property is obviously key. So you've got that part down, you, you yep. know, so you've done all of these things, but like you're doing some bigger stuff. So I, this is encouraging. I think for a lot of people that might, might be watching this that are thinking like, well, that's good for, for them, but that's good for Chris, but you know, and now that people could hear your story, it's not like A to yeah. Z. You people do you gotta get in the game and pay your your price. But you're also like you mentioned these people that got you to go out to uh I don't I think wherever it was, Buckeye or wherever it was, like yeah. to 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 do that. And you said, you know, now they're at C B R E, you know, so you talked about the relationships, right? So let's talk about that for a second. Like I don't think a lot of people that are getting into the business uh, that are new understand really how small the industry really is and how much they need to protect their names, build that relationship. 
with all different types of pe people, whether it's your title. I know you got your list. You talked about your list that you got of the, you know, pre foreclosures, NODs and stuff like that. Um, yep. So, and, you know, these realtors and people like that, they, they want to do business with you because you're a likable guy, but also they know you're creative and you get stuff done. And at the end of the day, that's what people want. They want to work with someone that gets shit done. So let's talk about a little bit about reputation, you know, being new in the business and how to protect that and do what you say you're going to do kind of thing. So um, that's funny. Your last comment there, do what you say you're going to do. Um, we founded the company on the phrase, we do what we say we'll do. Um, and when people ask me what has been the most valuable, what's paid me more money than anything in real estate, it has been my reputation. It's doing what I'll say I'll do. It's not rocket science, right? Like so many real estate guys are short-sighted. There's so many guys who think they're going to get rich quick. And, you know, in hindsight, it took me a few years to make the first million. Um, that's still pretty quick. It felt slow. You know? Working a nine but, to five somewhere. I mean, what's that look like, right? <laughs> well, it's what, but I wasn't working nine to five, right? I was working 80 hours a week. So that stuff compounds. And, you know, I see opportunity sometimes with younger guys getting into the business. And I have, I have a couple of them in my company uh, and I'm glad to have them. I couldn't be happier to have these young guys. Cause when you see that ambition and guys that are willing to go work, like I'll scoop those guys up all the time. We get inquiries for jobs daily. And, um, you know, Sometimes you see the ones that have the right attitude. So doing what you're saying you're going to do is, is critical. And, you know, those guys that are uh, that were Marcus guys that are now CBRE guys, I won't name them. Um, they they sold me my first building in 09. Um, I'm funding a big portfolio of industrial properties next month. They're both invested in that. Um, they've invested in a number of deals with me over the years. But my broker relationships, uh, which are really just a function of being loyal doing what you say you're going to do, you know, they get jerked around all the time. So if you say, I like the deal, I don't like the deal. It doesn't matter. Just mean what you say and, and do what you say you're going to do. Um, that carries a lot of weight in a business that is so full of guys that don't get it. Right. Like it's a relationship business. Um, and we do jump around in the sense that, you know, I learned residential cause that was big. Now my bidding business, which we skipped over, you know, became a, a pretty big size company here in Phoenix. We cater to institutions. Oh, wow. Um, as Wall Street, you know, started buying all these residential homes, um, a lot of the hedge funds and different private equity groups came out and started buying foreclosure houses because they were building pools of them. So, you know, I got to see the playbook from the private equity guys. Um, we had them as customers and we went and did this in more markets in the country where we buy foreclosures on behalf of institutions and, and build portfolios. We did that with our own money. Um, you know, just being tied in with bankers and institutional guys and private equity guys, you know, if there's a good deal, people told me this early and I didn't necessarily believe it, but it's still holding, held true for 13 years. If you have a good deal, the money's always there. I mean, you and I have that discussion all yeah. the time, right? Yet to find a good deal that I didn't find the money for. Right. And I literally started with nothing. So uh, and I still do that to this day. I see good deals and I say, OK, we'll buy it and I'll figure it out. And, and we do. Um, it's just it's doing it's doing the right thing. And, and, you know, something else you and I've had a conversation about 
we had a deal that didn't go as I would have liked it to go. And I know you didn't, you weren't very involved in it at that point. You'd handed it to me and um, I needed to make a decision to go and make something right to a relationship on who I sold it to. And there was no hesitation. Hey, we have a problem. Okay, we'll fix it. What does it take? I don't care about any one transaction. I care about relationships and reputation and, and building those. Um, and that's just not as common as, as I'd like it to be or, or as it seems to be. Yeah, I, I, that always surprises me. But at the end of the day, you know, in this industry, it's the uh, it's the guys that you end up networking with. You, the, you, you know, like finds like. Right. So if you're doing business right, you're going to find people that do business right. Um, and you guys will end up doing business. It's usually, you know, birds, you know, birds, yeah. however yeah. that goes. No, birds, from, birds of a yeah. feather flock yeah. together, John. This is, this is true. <laughs> I want to talk to you about real quick, and, I, and I, there's some other stuff I want to touch on. But from what you talked about, like the stuff when you were buying for the institutions, I know that we have some pretty cool stuff working and I wouldn't mind talking about that real quick. I, we have a, a couple states here, you know, Arizona, Nevada, that we have a pretty cool opportunity if people are working with us to, uh, to do some deals with us, as, you know, and obviously we have a, a training program that we go through with them. But I was hoping maybe, you know, just for a second, you could touch on that uh, if you you're yeah. kind of like, what is it that, because you're still working essentially with these hedge funds and some of these companies to to get yep. them paper. It's not your primary focus anymore by by any means, like you're in, the, in a totally different space, which I'd like to touch on here in a minute. But for the people that are, you know, maybe these wholesalers having issues or maybe people getting into the market and they're drumming up some business, but not able to find the margins that they were hoping for, for maybe a fix and flip, or maybe it just doesn't need that much work or whatever the case may be. Like maybe we could touch on what those deals look like, what maybe parameters there are. Well, look, so John, right now, you know, I'll buy a package of single family homes. We bought 14 of them together uh, in February and resold them to an institution. I'm building industrial. I'm building multifamily in Texas, like a $35 million project. I'm buying uh, apartment buildings, value add stuff. I'm buying portfolios of industrial. I'm doing everything. And I, I like to keep that flexibility to um, go opportunistically buy stuff. And right now the institutions are buying as many houses as they can. There's more, you know, there's, there's like 15 or 16 of them that um, my partners have a relationship with. Uh, that have, you know, a billion plus to deploy. And that's nationally. Um, my friends are, are most involved in Texas, California, Arizona, uh, Nevada, Colorado. Those are kind of our hotspots. Um, but I'll, I will share what that buy box looks like. So if you've got anybody in your network or, or students and whatnot that come across these, I mean, I do all those things because they all make sense to me in different ways. And I'm not ever going to be, you know, just a realtor and i'm not a realtor by the way but i'm never just going to do one asset class because it keeps shifting right opportunities and markets get out of balance and this one's out of equilibrium right now that one's not so um right now there's a huge appetite at an institutional level to buy homes so if i were getting started and getting moving and i didn't have a lot of capital to play with i would absolutely be you know out doing that guerrilla marketing finding homes and today that buy box is about 
$400,000 max price. Um, it, it'll be a little bit higher in California, but you know, Arizona, Texas, Nevada, those kind of things, 400 max, 1950 or newer construction. You need to be a three bedroom, two bath at a minimum. They'll go bigger, but the sweet spot is a three, two, okay. um, needs to be over a thousand square feet. Um, pool or no pool doesn't really matter. They don't like solar because that adds some complication and complexity that is, isn't, isn't relevant right now. Um, but I mean, if we can hit those kind of three, four main parameters, newer than 50, 400 grand or less, thousand square feet or bigger and three, two, three bedroom, two bath, um, you know, the institutions right now, because they have so much capital to deploy, they are not underwriting like you and I would or, or a conventional realtor would where, hey, here's the comps in the neighborhood, here's what we can pay. They're looking at it more with a commercial investor hat on where they say, okay, the income it produces is X or this is what the rents, you know, comp to. Well, we can pay, you know, a three and a half cap or a four cap on that, which is a crazy price. The, the market price for the house might be 300 grand and, uh, you know, they can pay three seven right. or something like that. So there's big money to be made wholesale. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's it's another, you know, just good arsenal to have in your tool belt to be able to do that. It's just another exit strategy. I, I like it. Um, one key thing for the people that are listening, it does need you to be under contract and have interior photos, you guys. So it can't just be like sending all these different deals. And there's a couple other things that we'll train you guys up on for those of you who are working with us and, and make sure you're, you understand it. So we want to make sure that we're working with the people that follow the guidelines, understand it, and, uh, you know, following the rules, essentially, and not bogging down the system with, the, with you know, once in a while, we get someone that gets a little excited and skip this, skips the training and then sends in a bunch of stuff. And you're just like, okay, wait, wait, wait. So anyway, you know, it's just one of the- You know what that's a good way to do, John? That's a good way to not do what you're supposed to do and do what you say you'll do. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Time, get your ducks in a row, you know, do your due diligence. Don't waste our time. We'll listen. I'll listen to a deal from anybody once. Yeah. You know, yeah. See how they're. So, so kind of it's, it's key guys that are listening. Just make sure you follow, you know, the guidelines that we're, we're putting out, jump on one of the calls with us. You can find out more information. We'll break those, those buckets down. Uh, perfect opportunity, I guess, to kind of, I want to talk about like commercial. We're talking about different buckets. This one I think is a little harder to pin down um, just because, you know, opportunities, like you said, it's fluid. It changes. If one's out of whack, this, you know, this opportunity presents itself. And as we're going through different areas, you're in, you're in Dallas, you're in Arizona, Phoenix. Um, what, what other areas are you investing in in commercial? Um, right now I'm a big fan of Colorado, Arizona, and Texas. Those are probably the top three. Um, I would go to Atlanta. I would go to Florida. I'd go to the Carolinas. Um, we've done things in all these markets, but right now those, those are my main three, Colorado, Arizona, Texas. Um, I'm looking at stuff actively, you know, a lot wider than that, but. Those are my favorites. So is there like, <clears throat> I, I feel like I already know this answer because it's how I would answer, but you're, you're doing bigger stuff. <laughs> so I'm just going to ask, like, is there anything like someone listening to this call and they're like, Hey, 
you know, I think I have a deal potentially for Chris and his company. Uh, is there maybe a couple buckets you could give them real quick? Sure. Um, we'll look at multifamily. That's probably, let's say 50 units or bigger. Okay. We prefer a hundred. Um, but I, I go down to 50, okay. um, for the right deal. And I'll say anywhere from 5 million to 40 million on a purchase price, okay. uh, for deal size. Um, cause units alone don't necessarily dictate that kind of thing, right? 50 plus units, 5 million minimum, um, industrial I'll go as low. I shot an offer on a $2 million building today. Uh, that'll be second cheapest deal this year. We're at, uh, it's in Dallas. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's like 23,000 square feet. It's in Plano. It's like a, a nice part of Dallas. Um, I, I'll retenant this thing in two years and have it. It'll be worth four. Okay. Um, nice. I just couldn't, couldn't resist. It's a 50% annualized return. Um, but I would, I'll, I'll look at industrial 2 million to 30 million, um, say 20,000 feet to 300,000 feet. Um, and then the house, the housing bucket we went over. And then those are the other two book, buckets that I look at and that I, I like a lot right now. Perfect. Um, I'm not trying to be too creative with office and hotel. I mean, there, there's a bunch of sectors right now. Retail, I'll only do retail right now if we have a tenant in hand and I can build a store with a tenant and make, you know, quick money building something. Right. Yeah, I guess it's just where, where you want to spend that attention, right? So there's only so many hours in a day. And you guys, me working with Chris, he reminds me of that. So I'm in, I'm in this bucket and he's in this bucket. So he doesn't... Or even further up, but he, uh, I, I'll focus on those reposition ones. I don't mind doing that heavy lifting sometimes. So, hey, they're all good deals. I mean, the the big dollar deals, you know, the effort is generally the same, right? Right. It's really the activity. Am I building something out of the ground? If I am, it's going to take a longer deal cycle. You know, I I like I like taking a longer deal cycle and having a bigger upside return with some of my money. Then I really like value add stuff where I can just buy in a little lighter lifting and I can make, you know, 15 plus percent annual return, 15 to twenties, maybe 25s in there. Right. I, if I'm developing, I'm looking for 30 and then, uh, I do lending. I love lending. Money so, so you raise capital. Like, let's talk about that. Like, do you, do you have a preferred return you give to people in terms and stuff like that? Like, I know you give a lot of people that, uh, you know, want to give you money and, and offer you guys money? Do they need to be accredited or could they be non? I'm just curious. Yeah, um, that's, a good, that's a good question. So we have three funds that we actively manage here in addition to a, a bunch of, you know, side deals and one-off deals that we make. But our funds are all for accredited investors, okay. uh, which there's a few ways to meet that. The two most common are a million dollars of net worth or uh, 200000 a year of income. For the last two years, uh, if you go SEC accreditation requirements, you can see what it is. Um, now we do we do syndicate deals, which means we create a partnership for a single asset. Um, people do not need to be accredited for those. It's different in every state. Um, 
at least in Arizona. Our securities attorney helped write the legislation for that. You know, we're very familiar with how all that works. Um, our in-house counsel would would slap me for not saying, you know, we're not offering any securities or investments or anything like that, right? Uh, every deal we've got to look at for its own performance and past performance doesn't mean anything, that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, if there's deals that we should be looking at or um, if you've got cash that you'd like to put in deals, we'd love to hear from yeah. you. Yeah, no, I think... I, I mean, both sides of that coin, right? Well, I think a lot of, you know... Deals in. Well, I know, I, I know okay. that you uh, have a very good... Uh, track record, success record in real estate investing. A lot of people um, keep in, and continue investing in, in what you do um, or, or in the projects that you have. I was curious, and I think I know the answer to this, but I'm, I just want to confirm. Let's just say, for example, I'm an investor. I've got a couple of people. We invest a million dollars in your project, right? And let's just mm -hmm. say, um, you decide to keep that long term. If you put debt on that and take us out as far as what we've put in, maybe to get a lower interest rate, whatever it might be, right? Um, you're putting bank debt in replacement of what we put up to buy, acquire, reposition, whatever it is. So then you take that, um, that debt off the table by putting new debt, bank debt on. Do you keep those people in the deal or do they get their preferred return, whatever that might be on that deal? Yeah. So I'm a little, I'm a little different than some uh, on this point. And I'm glad you asked. I like to take partners on. Uh, we, we run a structure with a general partner and a limited partner. Basically the guys that put the money in are the limited partners. The guy running the deal generally means it's a general partner. Um, and a lot of people will try and raise money from people who have equity to invest and they'll say, okay, here, I'm going to pay you a preferred return. And then I'm going to go refi. You get your money back. And now I own the real estate. That's great. The people who do it are happy on both sides, it seems. But, um, when we raise equity, they are our partners. So in your scenario, four guys put up a million bucks. I probably wouldn't pay a million dollars cash for anything. I'd be using a loan to start. I'd go buy a three or four million dollar property with that million dollars. And um, those guys would own their piece. I'll take a, a piece generally called the promote um, for running the deal. And then when we refinance the money, myself and them get the money we put in back out. And then we still own the deal in the same ratios. Uh, so I, I treat equity as a partner not as debt that that's that's what the point i was getting to which is super unique because that's the way i structured my syndications and i hadn't heard of anybody else doing it so hearing you know obviously mine are small deals but i i think you know i was reevaluating it after no one i haven't heard of anybody else doing it so i think it's really cool that you do that and you let you allow the people to stay in and it's a true partnership. I, uh, I really do. And I think anybody listening, like to get your money back out and still own the building, you get to go and use that potentially again and do that again and again and again. Right. So that's well, John, those guys usually say, what are we buying next? You yeah. Know, they don't say, Oh yeah, thanks for my money. And now I'm going to go somewhere else. I just, you know, double, triple their money or something. I've made several guys that were not millionaires, millionaires, and they may, uh, 
you know, those guys are big advocates of me because of what we've talked about. Do what I say I'll do. Generally have made money. Um, actually, aside from a few flips early on, you know, it's been a long time since I've lost money on a real estate yeah. deal. They don't all go as well, but I'm ultra, ultra conservative, as you know. I look at the downside risk. I'm a banker. You know, I was in banking before I got into real estate. I always look for the worst case. Too many guys show up in this business and they want to see, you know, this is what I could make if everything goes right. Well, that doesn't happen very right. often. I want to know what happens if everything goes wrong. If everything goes wrong and I can tolerate that answer, great. Yeah. You know, because that's what I'm always looking at. It's not the return that we could get. I want to know what my risk adjusted return is. So if I'm taking this much risk, I better make that much money on the win, not the other way right. around. And a lot of guys do that, right? If everything goes right, I'll make a little bit of money. But if I mess it up, I lose. Like, why would you do that? You no, know? that's a, it's a, it's a great point. Um, and I think a lot of people, especially in this market, it's hard to have even multiple exit strategies just with the pricing moving up. So yeah, just be careful on some of the single family stuff, in my opinion. Unless you're buying right, if the market keeps moving, good, good. But, uh, okay. You know what else people worry about, John? As, as we're going through lessons? A lot of people don't think it's okay. And I, I run into this all the time, and I don't, I don't understand it. They don't think it's okay to borrow hard money. Right. They think like I need to have the cash to do this or I can't pay 10 or 12 percent for hard money because that's too expensive. You know, it's a lot more expensive not doing right. a deal because you didn't have the cash or maybe taking on a partner like I did. I wasn't borrowing money. I could have borrowed money at 18 percent with 20 percent down and kept all the profit. Right. You know? And I had to learn that the hard way and learn the math to really figure that out. But nobody's more expensive than a partner. So. Use debt, you know, I like, I like bringing partners on because I like sharing wins with my friends. I like the people around me to know if I say, Hey, here's a deal we're going to buy. They don't have to look at it. They go, awesome. Hanson's buying it. Every deal I've ever done, I put my own money in. I used to be the lead investor in everything I did. You know, now my equity contribution has gone down, but you know, I'm closing a $6 million apartment deal next month. I'm putting 10% of the money in like, 13, 14 guys that put into it. And, uh, and that is, I mean, I have, I'm one of the largest investors. That's really cool. So, I mean, to, to see in, and it's a relatively short period of time. If everybody thinks about it, 2008, nine, 10, I mean, the market's still kind of trending down. Then after that, it starts to go up and you look at the last 10 years, kind of what you've built as far as like, you know, Again, uh, do what you say you're going to do and, and outwork everybody. There's a couple things um, I want to touch on, and, and that is, well, I'm going to jump into one of them. Like, I think you should be in this space. You know, you, you work with me. I'm learning from you. I appreciate uh, the relationship. Uh, you, you know, basically mentoring me and pushing me up into a new you know, they think bigger, right? I don't, there's not a lot of people doing commercial real estate. And if they're doing commercial real estate, they're not doing a variety. So I know where I'm at, but I also, you know, people watching, I do a lot of different types of commercial real estate, but my, my threshold, my ceilings, you know, I would say closer to 3 million where Chris's bottoms like five, right? So to give viewers, um, 
for people listening an idea. So Chris, like he's been touching on, he touched it on several different times here. It's like your time and energy in the deals are, are all pretty relative, right? So whether you're making 10,000 or a hundred thousand or a million or 10 million a deal, you know, your time and energy is, is basically spent the same. Yeah, probably on 10 million, it might be a little bit more, but you guys understand the theory there. So, you know, talking to you and and walking through this right now, I mean, are you thinking, I mean, we've had a little bit of a conversation about it before, but getting into the space and helping people, you know, that want to, that are maybe plateaued, get into, um, you know, more commercial investing and what does that look like? Yeah. Um, did I just put you, did you, I just put a- you on the, the hot box? I'm going to back up real quick uh, on something else. Um, you know, there's a lot of people out there, Chris, that, you know, they're gurus, right? All these gurus that are out there um, that are self-promoting, you know, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't consider myself a guru. I don't consider any of that stuff. So I know I promote my own stuff, but I'm promoting the products and stuff that I put out uh, and, and our team members and things like that. But I mean, you know, I know you drive fancy cars and do all this stuff, but I know you are, you're also not posting all that stuff. You're more promoting like, you know, the, the business that you do leading with that. And I, I think one thing that I, I really respect about you is, you know, that you're proud of the work that you do and the relationships that you've built. So that's what you lead with. And so many people that say they're doing all these big things, but you never see it. You just see the flashiness, right? But you never see the product. And I would guess with the 80 hours plus a week that you're working, it's because you love the game and you love the business, right? And so you want to show those things and show those wins, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. But my point being is I think that you would be a phenomenal person to help people through the process to kind of, you know, bring them up like 10 X their business, if you will. So is yeah. what, again, I'm, I, I know. I so yeah, you did put me on the spot, John. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I have been approached by several pretty big groups to do something in the education space. Um, I have friends that are in it, you know, influencers as, as they call themselves. I mean, my partner, uh, I'm, I'm buying an apartment building for the Tarek, the HGTV flipper flop, you know, and he's a close friend. Um, he's not a guru that's selling a dream that he doesn't yeah, do. Of course. Um, you know, I mean, we buy apartment buildings together. We're about to buy our second one. Um, I, I have, I know guys like that and people in that education space. I think there will be a day when it makes sense for me. Um, to do it. It's something that I want to do, but I don't do, uh, I don't half-ass things. So I, and and you mentioned the hours. I mean, I'm not working 80 hours a week these days. I'm probably working 60 hours a week, but I love every second of it. I mean, I'm excited to meet with my team. We've got 11 people in our office. I just have a kick-ass team around me. It's fun. We're, We're all having a good time doing what we do. I'll play, I will play in an education product. I need to figure out a way for it to make sense. Um, I like to give back, you know, I, and I don't mean that I'm important and I should be giving back like that, but I mean, like, I know I have knowledge that would be helpful to people. Of course. Um, I like to build people up. I mean, I said, I mentioned, I created, I've created multiple millionaires 
um, not just in my investors, but also in business partners. I think every partner I've had, I had, I had one deal that I didn't like how it went, one partnership, but every other partnership I've had has, I'll say, been successful enough that even if the business is no longer good, because uh, we shut it down for one reason or another, we're still friends. We're still partners. We still invest in things together. Um, I'm a relationship guy. And, um, you know, I know there's, there will be a time, probably not too far off, where I'm more focused on how to transition more. I mean, I'm working my way out of my company. Uh, we've got a two-year time horizon just under that, actually. I'll be 40 in April of 23. Oh, oh man. And Getting old. I know. Time and out over here. I had some, uh, I have some guys in my company that I'm working on transitioning some things to. And, uh, you know, they're kicking ass and making progress towards that. And, and the closer that, and we've had this plan in place for a while, the closer I get to that, I can't just sit at home. I mean, I don't even know what to do on vacation. I pull a laptop out and I start working because I like to work deals. I like numbers. Um, but we'll get there. You know? Yeah, I was so I was going to ask you that. I think it's a question I get all the time. I don't know about you, but you know, I always you always get the family members that say you work too hard, you don't don't work so much, or you know. How, but there is, and, and to that, I just love what I do, so I don't think about it as work. So I already I'm not even going to touch on that. But I am going to say like, how do you how do you balance? Like, do you have like a a shut off? Like, hey, I'm going to give home life this time and kind of just shut shut it off do you have that at all i mean i know you just said when you're on vacation but you know you're sitting at a pool or whatever it's kind of like quiet time anyway so but when you like on the weekends for example is there do you block yep. that off um yeah you know i mean i get on the phone as much as it as it takes but i like getting away and walking away from my phone i mean i i work uh I go to bed early. I'm not out at the bars partying. I'm not out drinking all the time. I like to exercise a lot. I'm focused on me and my mental health, my physical health. So I'll get up at four and read. I mean, you and I've had 5 a.m. conversations on deals. I get a lot more done between 4 a.m. and 8 a.m. when the phone really starts ringing right. from an efficiency standpoint. I usually shut it down by six at night um, and go have dinner, hang out with my kids, you know, until they go to sleep eight eight thirty, and if I need to, I get back online and work. But yeah, this is another thing. Like being in the commercial space, really, the commercial space is kind of a nine to five. Like you're going to work with broke. I'm a banker. I know, I know, I know. But for the most part, the people holiday. around us are working. <laughs> in that box, which makes it, I'll be honest with you, it makes it a little nice where it's not, I don't know, not getting that phone call at eight o'clock at night on Saturday to come look at a deal. And I will go look at those deals still. Don't get me wrong. I just don't get those calls. Like I, I love that them. you do, buddy. What's that? <laughs> Let me, I love that you do. Let me know if you like it. I'll, I'll get the money. Ready. <laughs> yeah. Work smart, not hard. Okay. So we, we've, t we've touched on a lot, uh, you know, today. I appreciate your time. Uh, you know, what's, what's next, what's next for Chris Hansen? Well, we launched, uh, we actually launched all three of those funds this year. We're putting a hundred million towards debt. Uh, and I didn't touch on that on how my allocation works, but I keep my money in three buckets. It's debt, which I've been doing for, for years. I like to keep a few million there. That's just cash flow every month. It's liquid. It's a hedge. You can't lose it in lending. Worst case, you end up owning the property. Um, then I, my middle bucket is multifamily, um, or I'll say value add. 
multifamily and industrial. And then um, my riskier bucket is the development stuff. And it's riskier because of time, right? right? I know exactly what the market conditions are today. If you go and buy a house today, you have reasonable expectation of what the market will be in 45 days when you're done renovating and you're going to resell. The longer that window is, the you know the more uncertainty there is, the higher the risk is, meaning I need more rewards. So um, I'm focused on those three areas unless my arm gets twisted hard enough into some sort of an education uh, thing. I think I lean a little more towards like a live event or some sort of community building. Right. I'm really big on the community of investors and um, ours has steadily grown and I like that. Um, so, you know, I think we'll probably put some some sort of a event on um, and maybe maybe an information product, but I'm really big on there needs to be value for, right. for both sides. Yep. And I think a lot of guys in the space is only value both of them, you know. It's not actionable if the people who are involved can't get a result. I'm not going to play. I need everybody to win, or we won't be able to repeat it. Yeah, no, it's it's. I like it, and you've already you already have proven it over and over. So I'm I'm looking forward to the day when you do do that, and I'd love to check it out. So, yeah, for for people watching, um, you know, what's your what's your Instagram handle? Like, how do people get hold of you? What's your website? Yeah, um, it's uh, underscore Chris, C-H-R-I-S, underscore Hanson, H-A-N-S-O-N. Company is Hanson Capital. Um, both are on Instagram. And uh, if you've got a deal, shoot me a deal and um, reference reference your show. Um, email Chris at HansonRE.com and reference John and, and I'll, uh, I'll know who I owe a dinner to. <laughs> there you go. And, Take it from well, there. hey, I, I appreciate you coming on uh, this evening. Thank you very much. I'm sure the people watching it uh, and viewing it as well uh, will. And there's a lot of great nuggets in here. Your story is, you know, a lot of a lot of people just struggling in the beginning and working their way through it. Like any advice that you would give somebody that's that's coming up or looking at getting started in real estate, what advice would you give them or even your younger self when you got started that you didn't know now or that you didn't know, but know now? I know what you mean. Um, I mean, doing what you say you'll do is so critical because you're only going to get one shot with guys that are ahead of you, right? You screw them around. Like they're not trying to hear excuses. I just don't care. Right. Uh, this is what I need to happen. If it doesn't happen, like, sorry. Um, and then, uh, really I would say, you know, people tell me to focus all the time and if I focused, I'd be more successful and that might be true, but, um, we'll never know because I like to chase shiny objects and I'm going to keep looking at things that entertain me because if I wasn't entertained, I wouldn't be doing right. it. Um, so if you can become an expert in any one area, you know, wherever you are in the country, if you can pick out your neighborhood or the, the part of town that's hot right now that that you want to understand whether that's housing or apartments or whatever it is. If you go and learn that and learn your basics, so many guys fail to learn just the basic numbers of what goes into it. And there's resources for that. Um, just be an expert at what you're going to get, go do. And then go, go ask somebody who's got money. If they'll, if they'll back you to do it, you know, I mean, I take those calls all the time and I'm shocked at what people show up with. You know, things that I wouldn't know you could get, right? Like, I mean, we were talking about one of your one of your students, John, 
he had he had a, a deal that was like, come on, John, that's not realistic. They don't have that. And they did. And what did we do? We wrote him a six figure check to hand it over. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, that guy, if somebody told him what his business plan was, they would have said that doesn't make any sense. But, you know, I'm a big believer in that. I, every no gets me closer to the yes. Right. So keep working. You get there. Goes by quick. The, the grind, I, I love it. Do what you say you're going to do and outwork everybody. Really, I mean, the secret, that is the secret. I think they're, you know, when I worked at Washington Mutual, the president would always say there's no substitute for hard work. And that's so true. And a lot of people are looking for the shortcut. You can work smart too, but work your ass off at the same time and do what you say you're going to yeah. do. Yeah, working hard, you know, can catch up with working smart. Right, right. <laughs> And the harder I work, the luckier I get. That's the other one I always liked. It's true. I, li I like the uh, rents due behind you. What What's the other one say? Yeah, so we got rents due and then uh, set goals and go. We've got – I was always a big Monopoly fan growing up. Uh, I still like playing it with the kids and everything. Um, my girlfriend and I compete pretty aggressively on, on Monopoly. But we've got those all over the office. I like it. Good sayings. Yeah. Well, again, thank you very much. Appreciate your time. Looking forward to uh, your training program that you're gonna you're gonna launch. I'm, okay, I'm just I'm throwing that out there. I, I you guys, I'd like to see Chris out there mentoring people. That's all. So I'm gonna tease him a little bit about it. I know that he already goes out and speaks to people, to investors, but sharing that knowledge uh, to investors that are coming up. Um, you know, is kind of what I'm referring to, not just people that want to invest, but you can, if you guys want to ping Chris, you want to invest, ping him. Uh, you know, again, he's got a great uh, track record, even though all those disclosures you have to say, we'll throw those in there wherever they go with the attorneys. But uh, again, thankful for you uh, jumping on the call today, sharing your knowledge, uh, giving that those those gems uh, to the listeners and hopefully inspiring some people to take action or step it up and go to the next level. So thank you, Chris. John, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. All right. Thank you.